welcome everyone to the yeah i am david here alongside james the other elder um if you can tell we are not in the same room again uh i am right now sitting on my porch relaxing in the nice uh spring afternoon and i'm sure james is doing the same thing uh james yeah. how are you good man you made me get up out of my hammock for this and <laughs> it's been enjoyable but this will be just as enjoyable just in a different way yeah yeah i hate to have to pull you out of that comfortable hammock to you know sit in i guess one of your uh very nice comfortable uh what are those uh folding chairs you sit yeah there? baseball game chair i don't know what you call them you know lawn chairs i think is what you call them yeah, well, I mean, it's that's still springish. Baseball is spring, so. But uh, this afternoon, we're just going to kind of dive into a little bit this what we talked about this morning, and it was quite a. Uh, if you weren't there, we didn't uh, live stream it. I'm not sure if James recorded it to his. Nope. Nope. Okay, so if you missed it this morning, you just missed yep. out. Uh, Should have been yep. there. Uh, been there, been square, you know, whatever. But, <laughs> but yeah, it was a uh, it's quite a different service this morning. It was more of a uh, intimate type service, I would say, an intimate type message. Uh, it's one that made you think and dig a little deeper into your heart, um, just to, to see what God was actually doing in your heart. Um, we kind of tackled the word sin, I guess you would say, this morning. Um, and just the seriousness of it, I don't think um, in today's times we take the word sin and I don't think we take it to heart as much as you know they did back in the you know biblical times. It's not as uh, you don't feel the repercussions, I guess, as, or we don't think about the repercussions as as much as we should. Um, we started off this morning in Second Samuel twelve, where. Well, I guess to give a little backstory to Second Tim or Second Samuel twelve, you know, this is not long after David had sent Uriah to the front lines because he had seen his wife uh, bathing on the rooftop, and he thought that she was very beautiful, um, and that he wanted her for himself, and so he sent uh, sent her husband Uriah to the front line to be killed, so that he could take Bathsheba. For his, you know, for his own, and Nathan is coming to confront him to say, you know, he has sinned against God. Uh, James, do you want to kind of take it from there and just talk about what you discussed this morning? Yeah, I mean, I think you did um, a good enough job with it, but just briefly, you know, this is just a a big moment in the life of David that really changed everything about his reign as king. Um, you know, I think there's two stories that stand out to us in the life of David more than any other one. And the first one is that of David and Goliath, where his kingdom is kind of established, though he had a weight on it. And then the second one is when he sins against God by lusting after Bathsheba, which would left this trail of him trying to cover up his sin in secret so that his subjects and others would not hear about it but they all felt um, worthless when it came to 
the God who sees all. And I think that was kind of the the thought, right? Is that David he covered it up well. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? He he brought Uriah back home from war so that he would have relations with his wife. Uriah refuses to do so because his comrades were at battle. And so when David sees that there was no prevailing in that way, he sends this letter to the general for Uriah to give to him, to put him on the front lines. And we even see the the positive character of Uriah again, where he doesn't open up this letter that says put Uriah at the front. And so, but Uriah does get put at the front lines. His dies at war and in dying at war, David marries Bathsheba. She becomes, because she's already pregnant at this point, Nathan confronts David by the leadership of God to do so, calls out his sin with this analogy of two individuals, one being a rich man, one being a poor man, the rich man having a ton of sheep, the poor man having one sheep that they raised in the home, much like we do pets today, the rich man taking that man's sheep when he has a guest in his home, slaughters it instead of one of the million sheep that he has. And in doing so, David gets angry and upset. And, you know, we preached uh, Psalm 23 last week and really touched on David being a shepherd. Uh, and that's why that was an intimate psalm. And I think this is why this um, this parable even touched home with David greater than any else thing, anything else could. And so, and David's mad, and he's angry, and he's like, this guy should be restored everything fourfold, which would still only be four sheep. But nonetheless, the command was still there, and then Nathan calls him out and says, you are this man, David. You took a woman that's not yours, and you've caused death and despair for all that followed behind you in this. And there was some natural consequences that David would then have this constant battle uh, and warring within his kingdom and that his child that Bathsheba was pregnant with would die um, in childbirth or before. And that last one we didn't tackle in detail. It's hard for us to understand that one. Um, but this was a natural consequence of everything going on. And then what we see in that is that's exactly what's unfolding in David's life. His sons try to take his kingdom later. He battles with them. He desires to build a temple. God does not allow him. Why? Because his kingdom was a kingdom of blood. And so David, though a man after God's own heart, sinned against God, and there was natural consequences. But there was the, the promise after his repentance that he would not die and that he would not face that form of judgment. And, and, you know, we'd have no reason not to believe David's not in heaven, right? And so there was no eternal damnation for this sin, but rather an earthly consequence to his sin, just like when we sin today as believers. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we kind of went from Second Samuel to Psalms 51 to where you kind of see David you know, during this time, he just, you can tell the remorse that he had because he, and like it was, when you read the psalm, you can just hear the pain in his voice that he had known he had sinned against God and he had essentially let God down after God had done so much for him and had given 
so much that you know all of a sudden he he had let him down. He had sinned against God. Um, James, you want to kind of tackle you know everything that you kind of talked about this morning with the fifty first song? Yeah, I'm definitely not going to go into much detail. I slowly walked through every verse, um, but really, just this. You see this repentance, you see the need of repentance, you see the trust in what he was repenting in was God, and then there was this natural response to trusting in God was to proclaim as a sinner to other sinners so they can be delivered from their sin, but also this idea of living his life as a sacrifice, um, that God does not desire a, a sacrifice as much as he desired a broken heart and a contrite heart soul. And, you know, really kind of focused on, I think that's verse 17, if I remember correctly, focused on just that, that we would be broken uh, in our spirit and that we would be broken and contrite in our heart, that when we sin, we're sinning against God and that God would reveal our, our sin to us and in revealing our sin to us that we would practice other things in scripture such as James the last chapter to, to confess our sins to one another and it's not because we need an intercessor because Hebrews is clear we have an intercessor in Christ but as a practice of being delivered from our sin and being um Really, this idea of finding brothers and sisters in Christ that's going to help us combat the sin in our life. And unfortunately, I think in just more modern church, we tend to focus so much on grace that we forget about this practice of actually warring with and confessing our sins to one another. And I believe that is unfortunate. I believe that if we would regularly be in the practice of confessing sin to each other, um, then we would see a renewal of holiness in modern American church. And in that, we would also see um, exactly that. And it was actually verse 13, not 17. Uh, with 13, we would see this declaration of one sinner to another sinner the need of the one who can bring redemption. And though David was speaking of the Lord um, in the old covenant sense, we speak of the Lord in the new covenant sense of Christ being the Lord and that he is our deliverer to take care of us, but also the one that would redeem us from our sins. And so that we would then go therefore and proclaim Christ crucified as the redemption of sin to those who would believe in him. And I believe the more convinced we are of our own sin, the more we're convinced of the need of playing a part in saving others from their sin. Yeah, for sure. Then, you know, once we finished that, we had kind of went to a time of, uh, I would just say an intimate time as us as the church practicing what, you know, ought to be the, you know, church in Acts did the same thing, just coming together, uh, talking to each other about sin and just, you know, letting it out there. And that way, you know, help each other better. Uh, I think a lot of this afternoon is more of a 
one-on-one situation, but I think this morning went well. I think we had a great uh, worship. Uh, just I think everything this morning went very well. Uh, just it was a more of an intimate type setting, and it it went, you know, I think everything was delivered. And I think you know what we talked about this morning. I think was taken to heart. I think everyone kind of looked in themselves and you know just thought of the sin that was in their lives, whether the sin that was just completely obvious and the the blatantly stuff that we've you know that we can think of right off the top of our head are Sunday school answers. But there was also I think we all thought of the sin that lies you know deep in our souls that we kind of keep hidden to ourselves and. I think that may have been uprooted today, and you know we look at sin in a a different light after this morning. Yeah, and you know, for anybody that's listening that's not a part of Redeemer, this is not a normal practice. Uh, so much so that I spent, you know, five to ten hours. Just this week alone, not including the previous couple weeks prepping this sermon that I had originally planned on preaching out of Acts 20. And, you know, I don't know if me and David even talked about this yet, but um, I didn't plan on even preaching these two texts until um, I really come to this moment in the middle of singing songs as a church that this is what God desired for us this morning. Um, and it kind of made that aware uh, through various different means over the last week and two weeks. And um, honestly, didn't know until I sat down and prayed as a church uh, the first time uh, for the preaching time that this was what we we're going to preach. And uh, I walked up there and I uh, was prepared to teach in a way that um, would not have been this. And when I sat down and prayed to the Father and it was confirmed and, and in doing so, this is what unfolded. And it's an unusual practice for me, uh, but I do believe that um, it was just a leadership of the Spirit this morning. And I don't know why. And I don't think I'll know why. And I don't think any of us will know why. Um I think if we all got together and discussed it, we would see the big picture of why. But I don't think there's a way for any one individual to know why this is what God desired. But what I'm confident in is that the Word of God was preached faithfully. And so because the Word of God was preached faithfully, though it was not the plan initially, it certainly was still God-honoring and edifying to the saints. And I don't believe we led too much into personal feelings i believe we exposed the truth of the text and then we applied it directly to our own lives and i think that's how preaching should be and so uh confident in this morning though um you know i can't explain why but i do believe that even outside looking in now um david and i didn't think we had the equipment to live stream and I forgot to record. And so there was a lot of variables that really just played into like, this was the right time to deliver this message. And I'm thankful for that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we had kind of discussed, let's 
we had both, you know, had forgot to charge the camera that we keep it at home because we, you know, we were like, well, the other person would bring it. And so we had just, you know, came to the conclusion that we were going to live stream this morning because we didn't have a camera to do it. And I guess for whatever reason, didn't get recorded this morning uh, with your iPad. And we record like voice memo or whatever on our one of our iPads. And that didn't get done either. And, you know, we kind of had that intimate moment this morning during uh, during service, which is something this the style that we did this morning, like you said, is kind of unorthodox to what we normally do. But I feel like it was much needed. And then come to find out after the service that there was a camera, you know, that had failed, hidden, some I guess somehow hidden behind a cardboard box that we had had a camera the whole time that we had no clue was there. So it, everything just kind of laid itself out, and it was kind of like it was. This was supposed to happen this morning the way it did, um, and for right. who was there. So that's right. Well. Um... You know, I don't have anything else to add. And so, unless you do, David, uh, I'll kind of lead us out of this. And um, I just want to just spend time um, briefly just praying for anyone that may be listening, if anyone, that they would be broken over their own sin. And just encourage you to read Second um, Samuel chapter 11 and 12, and then reading Psalm 51 and the reason why those two verses matter is because Psalm 51 was David's thoughts after the loss of his son that was um, his and Bathsheba's child. And so now just read those and just see the picture of God's holiness on display and response that we should have to that. And so with those words, uh, let's pray together and um, just pray. Father, that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours, and anyone listening, God, you would break their hearts as well. God, you would show them what holiness looks like, God, and that they would repent and turn from their sin, and if they don't know you, they would come to know you, and Father, if they know you, that they would repent of their sin and allow their brokenness to lead them to show another beggar what to find bread, and we love you and we thank you. Your son's holy name. Amen. All right, everyone. We'll talk with you all later. Yeah.